I'm Ed Buford with Rock and B Land and Cattle in Huntington, Texas, and we're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture, Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take that ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we talk more about improving competition in the packing industry. That's been a big subject here over the last week or so, ever since the Biden administration shined a spotlight on it about a week ago. Plus, we'll have more news coming out of the Beltwide Cotton Conferences held last week in San Antonio. We caught up with Texas A&M Cotton Marketing Specialist John Robinson. We'll talk more with him about the cotton markets coming up as we kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Transpecus, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There are all kinds of ways to start a wildfire, and we need to be mindful of that as the wildfire threat in the Texas High Plains is pretty big right now. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Scouting and addressing corn mite issues early can help to avoid yield losses. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Florida rancher Cindy Deke will tell you if asked to choose between her husband, three friends, or her dog fit to help work livestock, she'll choose the dog every time. From the American Farm Bureau Federation Convention in Atlanta, I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Biden administration's focus on improving competition in the meatpacking industry is getting a lot of attention right now. The Fox News Channel interviewed South Texas rancher and president of the Texas Farm Bureau, Russell Boehning, about the issue recently. He says he welcomes the administration's efforts. Some of it's been a supply and demand issue, there's no doubt. Uh, some of it's been related to, uh, to COVID, like I mentioned before. Some more competition in the processing industry could be a good thing. So, you know, we're looking forward to that. It gets pretty complicated, but we welcome the administration looking into it. And the question centers around the amount of competition in the market, with four packers controlling over 80% of it. Yes, there is competition, uh, but at the same time, uh, the spread between Box beef, retail beef, and, and what the producer gets it has been has been widening over the years, and that's something that's been concerning to us. Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining. The latest U.S. drought monitor shows nearly all of the Texas panhandle and a big chunk of West Texas in extreme drought. One of the warmest and driest Decembers on record for Texas led to both intensification and expansion of drought over the past few weeks. According to the Texas Water Development Board, 67% of the state is now suffering from moderate or worse drought. 
That is up two percentage points from last week, but it's 60 percentage points higher than the same time three months ago. A lot of that could be due to the La Nina weather pattern. La Nina typically brings warmer and drier weather to Texas. The Water Development Board reports that extreme drought now covers about 10 percent of the state, mostly in the Panhandle, West, and Far West Texas. The lower Rio Grande Valley and parts of South Texas remain drought-free. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dumal. There is a lot of uncertainty in the cotton market right now, and we can expect that to continue well into the growing season. That's the thinking of Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson. It's dry as heck in the in the southern plains, and so we're in one of these drought weather market situations. I think the demand, the, re, the recovered, recovering demand is still with us, so we've got a strong upward kind of pull on the market there. Um, the the speculative forces that normally would jump in on, on a bandwagon with a dry, uncertain, we're uncertain how much we're going to plant, we're uncertain how much it's going to be harvested. So the, the crop size is a big question mark that's going to be with us from now till at least, at least September. That'll probably keep prices supported. Robinson is expecting the size of the U.S. cotton crop to be around 12.5 million acres this year. There are all kinds of ways to start a wildfire. James Hunt tells us we need to be very mindful of that right now on the Texas High Plains. There have been a few minor moisture events lately, but a quick glance at the latest drought monitor map shows the Texas High Plains area is in pretty dire shape. Our farmers and our livestock producers are certainly suffering consequences from our lack of moisture, but it could be said the biggest threat of all is wildfire. We've had a number of wildfire events already this season, some of them quite significant. But Mike Gittinger of the National Weather Service office in Amarillo says what is typically the most vulnerable time of year is still ahead of us. As the days start getting longer and it starts getting hotter, we start getting these systems like in February into March, that's when our wildfire season really peaks. And we did have a couple of wet spells last summer. We have more fuel than we had the previous year because we did have a couple of wet spells in May and then again in July. So there's more grass fuel out there and this is the types of La Nina springs that we have the potential to have these big fire outbreaks. So the, the fire safety and just not causing sparks or anything to cause a fire is going to be really the big thing to, to try to do. Uh, and it, it, we've had some wildfires that have burned in the cities that were caused by somebody just welding and welding sparks or people dragging a chain, or just doing things that you don't think, driving a car into tall grass, and the catalytic converter kicks it off. So it can become very easy to start these huge wildfires by things that you don't think would be a problem. It's not the typical throw a cigarette out the window necessarily. It can be some very subtle deals. So that's going to be the story, and if we don't get out of this pattern of dryness, something we're going to have to really watch out for. Once again, that was Mike Gittinger with the National Weather Service office in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Corn mites can be a challenge for some Texas corn growers. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Lowell Sandell. He is Field Market Development Specialist with Valent USA. Lowell, we're here today to talk about the challenges of corn mites in cornfields and specifically the Texas Panhandle. Talk about uh, what you folks are doing to help uh, farmers up in that region of the state and a little bit northward. So the last few years, we have a, a new formulation of a, a product that we've had success with uh, in the market, uh, Zeal. And in 2021, we brought a new formulation, Zeal 
Pro for spider mite, two-spotted spider mite control, and Banks grass mite control in, in corn in the in the southern high plains, basically. So uh, western Kansas, Texas panhandle, Oklahoma panhandle area. How serious are corn mites in the cornfields? Two-spotted spider mites can be a, a real problem in that area because as wheat is harvested, mites tend to move from wheat into corn, and there's also a lot of a range and pasture uh, area that mites will migrate out of during the summer. Controlling them in uh, high plains corn production is really important because you can lose quite a bit of yield if the mites are allowed to colonize and go up past the ear leaf on, on the corn. Is there any difference in the uh, corn mite uh, populations and how you would uh, utilize this uh, product, whether it be irrigated or dryland corn? In that area of the world, the Im- environment is, is such that spider mites are, can be a problem in both dryland and, and irrigated corn. So we just encourage folks to scout, watch for those populations, being on the early side, getting it on just as the populations are starting to build. That is Lowell Sandell. He's with Valent USA. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The American Farm Bureau Federation named its Farm Dog of the Year at the annual AFBF convention this past weekend in Atlanta. Our own Gary Joyner is there. He caught up with the owner of the Farm Dog of the Year, Cindy Deke of Lady Lake, Florida. The dog's name is Fit. Tell me about Fit. Fit is an almost six-year-old border collie. She hails from Scotland. We got her when she was about 14 months old. She's a working farm dog. She works sheep, cattle, and ducks. What makes her so special? Uh, first of all, she's amazing. She's just an amazing talent. Um, she has an uncanny ability to read any situation I put her in, and she is just super smart. She does whatever you need her to do, and she's just an amazing help on the farm, any farm. She helps out on our neighbor's farms, too. So helps train other dogs. Yes, she does. She teaches a lot of lessons every week with all different breeds and teaches them how to herd livestock so they can help their owners too. Farm dog of the year. Can you believe it? <laughs> no, we are we were when they called me initially, we were so shocked and I'm so honored and so proud of her. We're just so proud. And I kind of submitted it as just a last minute on the whim and and we won and we are just so grateful to everybody. A lot of working dogs may not be as well socialized as she is, but she's an ambassador. She's greeting folks that she's never met, and she seems so comfortable. Yes, she she does. We put a lot of training into all our dogs. Um, They do also go to dog shows with helps, but she um, is just an amazing spokesperson for the Border Collie breed. She gets along in any situation. Nothing bothers her. She's comfortable on a farm, in the city, wherever you take her. We're very proud of her. Could you do what you do without her? <laughs> oh, absolutely not. My long-standing joke is that if I have to choose between my husband and three other people and the dog, I take the dog every time. So <laughs> you just can't do it. with it. It, I would take her, myself and her, any time over. Give me 10 people and I'll still pick the dog. You commented in the video that you trust her instincts sometimes more <laughs> than you do your own. <laughs> yes, I do. I find, you know, as we've developed a relationship between myself and her, one, she reads my mind, and two, sometimes I'll think something needs to go and she'll do something else. And I'm like, gosh, she's right. She is so smart. And, you know, it's been bred into them for so many years that her natural instincts are far better than humans can ever hope to be. There are many Texas dog owners who have a love dog just like Fit. Would you encourage them to consider the contest? Oh, absolutely. It's just a wonderful contest, and everybody should enter. And you never know, you may be the winner. So, And then you can do all this fun stuff, too. Well, congratulations. Thank you. We really appreciate it. We're very proud, and we thank the Farm Bureau and Perina for sponsoring the event.
from the American Farm Bureau Federation Convention in Atlanta. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Texas high school students have an opportunity to learn more about nature, ecology, and wildlife in a hands-on environment. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And gastrointestinal disease is a very common problem in dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Gastrointestinal disease is very common in dogs. Dr. Bob Judd says many dogs have multiple episodes of this problem. We see several cases of GI disease in pets every day at our practice, and some of these dogs seem to have multiple episodes every three to four months. These dogs develop symptoms, are treated and respond to medications, and they relapse every few months. Many of these cases may have food allergy or food intolerance, and many have a condition called inflammatory bowel disease. Humans can also have inflammatory bowel disease, so you may be familiar with that name. Inflammatory bowel disease is a difficult diagnosis because the only method of being sure of the diagnosis is to take a biopsy of the intestine, either with an endoscope or surgery, and both require anesthesia. So getting a biopsy is an involved process. Also, there are many other intestinal diseases that can have similar symptoms, and all of those other diseases must be ruled out before treatment can be performed. However, there is a new blood test available for inflammatory bowel disease in dogs that may be helpful, and I say maybe because the test is new and not a lot of outside research has been performed on the test. The new test looks for three different antibodies in the blood that are found in dogs with inflammatory bowel disease and can guide treatment of the condition, including indicated if a change in food is necessary. Sometimes a hypoallergenic diet from your veterinarian will help these patients, and sometimes a gastrointestinal diet that is low in fat works well. So if your dog has chronic gastrointestinal disease and you have been reluctant to have a biopsy procedure performed, ask your vet about the new IBD blood test that is available. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas high school students have an opportunity to learn more about nature, ecology, and wildlife in a hands-on environment. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Registration has begun for the 2022 Wildlife Conservation Camp hosted by the Texas chapter of the Wildlife Society. Bobby Alcorn, this year's camp director, says the camp provides high school-aged kids a week-long experience learning about nature, ecology, and wildlife. At camp, we cover a lot of ground. We're really focused on introducing students to the, the natural world around them. And so we do a lot of plant identification, try to find different wildlife species. But we go over wildlife trapping techniques. We talk about hunting as a management tool. And through that, we get into a little bit of firearm safety and firearm use. We get into fishing as a management tool, talk a little bit about different ways to do that, get a little experience doing some fishing. We'll talk about survey techniques, and we'll get out there and do a little bit of 
habitat management techniques, maybe show you a little bit about prescribed fire. But really, we try to expose you to as many aspects of, of wildlife and wildlife conservation in the state of Texas. Each year, the camp is held in a different part of the state. Camp this year, and we're excited to say, is actually going to be in the eastern part of our state. So the last couple of years, it's been either in South Texas or sort of a little bit farther west. This year, we're bringing it a little bit to the east. So it'll be in a really near a small town called Tennessee Colony, Texas, which is closer to another small town called Palestine, Texas. The property we'll be on, and it's actually a place you can Google. You can go check it out online. It's called The Big Woods on the Trinity. The deadline to apply is May 1st. Students can apply at wildlifecamptx.org. That is wildlifecamptx.org. The camp is July 9th through the 13th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We saw a lower trade in the cattle and corn markets to kick off the week on Monday, but we closed higher on cotton and wheat. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors, we are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a lower trade in the cattle complex to kick off the week on Monday. Both live and feeder cattle ending lower. February live cattle down a dollar seven, one thirty six twenty five. The April down a dollar forty seven at one forty fifty seven. June live cattle down a dollar forty seven, closing at one thirty six twenty two. Same story in the feeder cattle market. January feeders down a dollar seventeen at one sixty ninety two. March feeder cattle down a dollar thirty two at one sixty five thirty five. April feeders down a dollar forty-two at one sixty-nine forty-five. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle at one thirty-eight on a live basis here in Texas. Texas Cattle Feeders Association reporting two thousand seven hundred thirty-seven head sold on the cash market. Forty-seven thousand eighty-two head of formula cattle, making for a total of forty-nine thousand eight hundred nineteen sold for the week. Boxed beef was higher on Monday, choice up 339 at 27521, select up 287 26397. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. I'm on the line with that little country ball of fire, Maddie Bexley, and as you can tell, they had lots of cattle in the alleyway on Thursday in Lockhart. Maddie, how did it go? 
start off the year on a pretty good note. We ended up with 1155, 259 cows and 37 bulls, 183 sellers and 86 buyers. Let's walk the pins. On the stucker cows, we got along uh, real good. Nothing really fancy, uh, but a good many good using cows this week. A uh, better end of the pair is what I brought from 11 to 13.50. Mediocre to middle aged from five and a quarter to 10.75. The good bred cows from 8.75 to 11.50. The mediocre middle aged and shortbreds from five to 8.50. The Longhorn and the Planter cows from 250 to 475. Uh, Packer cows would have been about steady with where we ended the year last year, and Packer bulls would have been several dollars better. The good high yielding cows from 62 to 76 and a half. The medium yielding from 50 to 61. The low yielding and lightweight cows from 20 to 49. The good high yielding Packer bulls from 94 to a dollar three and a half. The medium yielding from 87 to 93. Low yielding and lightweight bulls from 65 to 86. And on the calves and yearlings, uh, we got along real good with most classes steady to four or five better uh, than December. Especially the real good quality calves weighing five to six fifty. They were several dollars better. So on all, it's a great week. What do you anticipate for next week? I don't know much yet. Hopefully we can get some business drummed up between now and then. All right. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Madison. You can always check us out on Facebook. Or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. Thank you, Madison. And thank you, Texas neighbors, for listening to Walking the Pens and me, Larry Marble, on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs dropped lower Monday. February hogs down a dollar twenty-seven, seventy-eight thirty-seven. April hogs down two sixty-five at eighty-four seventy. Class three milk was mixed. January milk down two at twenty twenty-seven a hundredweight. February milk up twenty-five cents, twenty-one sixty-eight a hundred. The cotton market closed slightly higher in a fairly quiet trade. Looks like most traders preparing for Wednesday morning's USDA supply and demand report. That's the monthly report. It'll be out at 11 o'clock Wednesday morning. So we probably won't see much action until those numbers come out. We closed on Monday with March cotton up 10 points, 115.22. The October up 76 at a dollar point 33 cents, while December was up 40 points to close at 94.92 cents. The corn market lower. Traders taking out some of the weather premium that they've built into this market, watching closely the South American weather. Dry conditions down there helping to keep a floor underneath corn prices right now. March corn down seven cents at five ninety nine and three quarters. New crop September corn down two and a quarter, five sixty nine and a quarter. The wheat market slightly higher, both hard and soft wheat moving higher on Monday. July Kansas City wheat up two and a half, seven seventy eight a bushel. July Chicago wheat up three and a quarter at seven sixty and a quarter. In the energy markets, February natural gas up twenty two cents at four fourteen. February crude oil down fifty four. At 78.36 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Monday afternoon. The Dow down 162 points, 36,068. The NASDAQ up 6 at 14,942. The S&P down 6, 4,670. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or dfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today 
is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.